Jump, jive, and wail. So you didn't see that one coming, did you? <laughs> you know, I was thinking when you uh, look at life, I think it's a little bit of a dance in life. And I, and I bet you've had your fair share of jumping and jiving and wailing in life. And um, if the truth be known, you've done some of those more than others, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've been uh, jumping around here uh, the past few weeks in this series. Uh, we've uh, been uh, talking about jumping. You know, jumping, I believe, is a spiritual thing. It's an important part of following Jesus Christ. You know, jumping's about seizing those God-given opportunities that are put before us, which means you've got to know when to jump. And if I'm going to kind of forewarn you that today we're going to jump, jive, and wail a little bit. And so I want to start out with a little bit of jumping. And this is something that I've learned as, as a leader. I think it's a little exercise that's, that's helpful in life. But when you're facing a big decision, one of the first things I do when I'm facing a big decision is I jump to the conclusion. You know, what do I see? You know, what's the upside? Where, where is this going to take me? And so what I want you to do today is I want you to jump to the end of your life. You know, for example, if you continue living the way you're living, you know, when the, when the game clock stops, when the buzzer sounds, when you walk off the field for the last time, so to speak, and when you wake up in eternity, what will the scoreboard say? How will your stats read? You know, what, what will be the value of your life endeavors? What will be your portfolio, so to speak, in heaven? Jesus spoke to this often, and he cautions in Matthew 6, 20 and 21. It says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consume, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your what? Heart will be also. When you jump to the conclusion of your life, what do you see? See, where your treasure is, is where your heart will be also. It's just a fact. You know, people, uh, they like to talk uh, a lot about net worth. You know, there are business periodicals that kind of crank out every year, that, that list of uh, who, who's the most wealthy you know, it's kind of a benchmark, um, I, I think a bit of a competition, but to see what people are worth. Now, I want you to turn to your neighbor, turn to your left, and just take a peek, turn to your right, and there's a good chance you're looking at someone that's loaded. <laughs> no. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I already know what you're thinking. You're like, okay, he's lost his mind again. You know, 
Damon, come on. I know what I'm worth. I am not loaded. But I would challenge you to, to not speak too soon. The, the reality is, if you had food to eat this morning, you got on a change of clothes, and you got a roof over your head, you are wealthy compared to the backdrop of the world. In fact, we know that almost all Americans are in the top 10% of net worth globally. You know, this uh, past summer, uh, I was on vacation, and I was at uh, the Fort Lauderdale Airport, and I'm kind of walking through the concourse, Cindy and I, and, and we're dodging people, and then we hear that sound, that annoying, irritating sound. Beep, 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 beep. And, and I'm watching, and it's, it's not quite a, a golf cart, but it's kind of like a golf cart. And, it, and it's plowing through the crowd. And people are having to make decisions rapidly. You know, they're either going to the left or the right. There's no time for hesitation because the cart's going to run you over if you don't. And this morning, in a real way, I think God's going to drive a cart through this service. I mean, can you hear the warning? Beep, 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 beep. And you have a choice to make. You have to jump to the left or the right. Your decision can't hesitate, but God's going to ask, where are you building your net worth? You see, it could be, maybe, possibly, that you're worried about wealth on the wrong side of eternity. It could be, just maybe, that you're putting too much stock in stuff. It's just a question but it's worth asking. And before I go further, I'm going to put a little warning label out there kind of for this message, and that is warning. This content this morning could be hazardous to your worldly wealth. And so if it gets too intense, please do not wail this morning, all right? But we might turn the heat up a little bit. You know, today we're going to look at a letter. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote it. Uh, he's writing to Timothy. Timothy's a young leader. He's in the Ephesus church. Uh, Paul's kind of his mentor, so to speak. And the church in Ephesus, people had a lot of money. And so Paul is giving some advice to Timothy because he's trying to help him figure out what he should say, you know, what he should do, what he, what he should comment when it, when it comes to net worth. And, and I think they're words that we all need to hear today. He writes this, he says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. Now you have to think about that a little bit. But contentment, we want to be content, but contentment's not measured by what you have in your portfolio. You know, contentment has nothing to do with how much money you have. No, it doesn't matter how much stock you have. It has nothing to do with that. Contentment 
has nothing to do with the house you live in, the cars you drive, the wardrobe you have. See, true contentment in life is based on what's in the heart. True contentment comes from God. And so if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're pursuing God and trying to be God-honoring in life, I, I didn't say perfect, but you're trying, the heart will be content. And Paul, he kind of jumps to the conclusion here. He says, for we brought nothing into the world and we take nothing out of it. You know, in other words, he says, I, I want you to understand what's going on. In the end, what you have, you're not, you're not taking with you. And, and then he kind of re, re, uh, says what he's committed to. He kind of gives us a uh, criteria for, for contentment. He says, but remember, it's kind of remember this. If you have food and clothing, we will be content with that. And then Paul starts pressing. And this isn't jive. I mean, this, this is really important to Paul, very foundational. He says, those who want to get rich fall into a temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that, that plunge. And in the Greek, that word plunge means to drown, you know, to, to suffocate plunge people into ruin and destruction. Hmm. That statement just made some of you wail. What? What do you mean by that? See, this goes against the culture's idea that we acquire and acquire and acquire. It goes against what, what most of us think we, we, we need in life. See, we live in a culture that's about, I want to get rich. Now, I, I want to be very, very careful. I am not saying it's okay to be rich. It's not wrong to be rich, all right? The problem, here's the problem. Believing that if I have more stuff, if I acquire more, if I hoard more, if I stack up more, that it will equate with me being content. I'll be happy if I have more. And friends, when you start listening to the monster, and it is a monster, it whispers more, more, more. And if you think more is the answer to happiness in your life, We'll watch out. See, when we get more, have you figured this out? When you get more, you always need a little what? A little more. <laughs> it's just the way it is. You're always one deal away, one acquisition away. You know, a car, a house, a position. If I just had that, I'd be satisfied. Friends, it's a never-ending quest. You will never find, hear this, you will never find contentment that way. You know, King Solomon, one of the wisest people ever walked the planet, he put it like this. He says, 
It's like chasing after the wind. You ever try that? Can't get a hold of it. Can't, can't get it. And I know right now some of you are pushing back. You go, well, I, I don't want to get rich. I, I don't lust for more. Oh? I, I, if I were to peel back the facade, if I was to get to the heart of things, the reality is too many of us are chasing more. We're, we're looking for more to satisfy us. We're looking for satisfaction and happiness in the, in the wrong places. See, money, material goods, stuff, getting more. Paul says, well, does that float? Does it? Or are you going to drown? I mean, it has the potential to sink you, to plunge you into ruin. In the end, it could destroy you could end in destruction. Jesus, all the writers of Scripture, are not anti-ownership, all right? They're not anti-money. They understood the fact that we would all have stuff. We'd all manage stuff in our lives. They got that. But what they say over and over is, if you think more will bring you contentment, beware, watch out. You'll fall into trouble in your life. You will set yourself up for failure, for, for heartache. And guess what? One day, we will all figure out more is not the answer. Paul makes another statement. He says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. This is probably one of the most uh, misquoted scriptures uh, that there is. You notice it doesn't say money is the root of all kinds of evil. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Here's a question for you. Do you love money? Ooh, that's a dangerous question, isn't it? He says, some have been so eager to have it that they've wandered away from the faith and have broken their hearts with many sorrows. Hmm. Paul's speaking really powerful words here. Paul says, jump to the conclusion of life. Don't, don't listen to the jive talk uh, of culture uh, about things. Things will make you happy. Stuff, get more. He says, jump, jump to the end. Or otherwise, if you listen to culture, you might wail in the end. You don't want to end up that way. You don't want to end there. You know, when it, when it comes to, to money and wealth and possessions, it's a dance, isn't it? You've you got to stay in spiritual step in your life to get a handle on it. 
You know, Paul, he writes, he says, but you, man of God, he's talking to Timothy, flee from all this. Paul's talking to Timothy, but I think he's cautioning all of us with these words. He says, you know, that, that first step, if you're going to dance with stuff, is you've got to flee. You've got to flee. You know, the Greek, it's the idea of a, con- a continuous action of fleeing over and over and over again. In other words, it means that you don't just flee one time and you're done. You know, oh, good, I got past that. But it means it's a continual action in your life. That, that desire to follow the world's ways, that desire to acquire. In fact, friends, as a Christ follower, being, being a Christian is not a passive thing. Have you figured that one out? I mean, it's, it is faithfully following Jesus Christ when it's hard, when it's difficult, when it's challenging, when, when it presses against culture. You know, it requires us at times to separate ourselves from people and places and things that that are trying to suck us in to worldly thinking. It's a dance. And one of the first things you got to do is flee from some of the stuff. And then you follow. Then you follow. It says, but you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue. Here we go. I mean, hang on to your seats because he's going he's gonna to rattle stuff off here. He says, pursue righteousness. What's that mean? Well, it's about integrity. Pursue integrity in your life. You know, godliness. Godliness is, is our conduct that, that's becoming what, what God wants us to be and do. You know, faith, well, that's about our dependability, our ability to to follow faithfully. Love, it's the word agape there, which means sacrificing love. Endurance, crashing through the quitting points. Anybody wanting to quit these days? Something? You got to keep pushing. And gentleness, which is power under control in our lives. See, as you pursue those things, as you pursue what God's called you to pursue, what happens is you start seeing things more clearly in your life. You realize, yeah, I do have to flee from some stuff. And I I do have to follow, have to make some decisions rapidly in in my life sometimes. And friends, you've got to fight You've got to fight. You know, it's not a one-time skirmish and you're done. It's a continual battle. You've got to understand that. It says fight the good fight of faith. You know, it means to strain with everything in you, to, to go forward in faith, following God. It's that picture of an athlete when, when they're straining for the goal. You know, they, they're doing everything they can to, to win the prize. You know, in this series, I've invited you over and over to jump. It's a spiritual thing. To, to get out of the stands 
and hit the field of faith and allow God to use you to, to faithfully follow Jesus Christ by fleeing and following and fighting. Why? Why would we do that? Why? I mean, if we fight the good fight, we will take hold of eternal life to which you are called. Christ follower, jump to the end of your life. Jump to the conclusion. If you can do that mentally, something happens. You gain an eternal perspective, don't you, in that moment? Here's what hit me as I was studying this block of Scripture, is all the temporal things that we have. When, When we gear them God's way, we build net worth. We build net worth on the other side. You know, if you died right now, what would you leave? Anybody? What would you leave? You'd leave everything. Everything. Let me ask you a different question. What's your net worth in heaven? And I know as I ask that, some, some are pushing back on that one. Well, you know, I'll work on that someday. I, I'm not planning on dying anytime soon. I'll, I'll get to it. Don't worry about it. Do not get caught off guard. Live with an awareness, my friends. You're, you're one germ away, one accident. You know, one straight bullet, you know, one, one physical away from e- eternity. When it comes to possessions, money, stuff, what's your mindset? What is it? You know, growing up, my uh, grandparents... Uh, they had a dog named Candy. Do not let that name fool you. It was a Pekingese, little bitty Pekingese. It was more like a piranha. <laughs> that dog looked loving, sweet. I'll just say the dog had issues. <laughs> You got anywhere near that dog, got near its food, its toys, uh, it it had a rug, you couldn't get near it, it had a bed, you couldn't get near that. In fact, if you were in a five-foot radius of any of that stuff, she would growl and howl, and if you did not back away immediately, she went into attack mode. She would move you back. I mean, it was just the way it was. I think a lot of us are like that. 
We, 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 God starts moving in. God, God starts talking about possessions and money and stuff like that. And friends, we growl and we howl and we wail and we get all upset inside. Friends, when that topic of wealth, possessions, however you want to put it, if that makes you want to wail, probably means you got issues between you and God. I mean, do, do you own your possessions or do your possessions own you? See, it is so easy to get tethered to the temporal in life, to the here and now. We get so fixated on it that we miss the eternal stuff. You know, we miss that, uh, that opportunity to build our true net worth on the other side. You know, Paul, he shifts gears again. He says, command those who are rich in the present world not to be what? Arrogant. Ooh, there's a word for us. You know, it carries that sense of, um, uh, false sense of security. It's a good way to kind of translate that word. I hate being around arrogant people who are kind of snobs, you know, think they've got it all together. And here's something I've figured out about arrogant people. They don't understand themselves, and they don't even really understand money and possessions. They fail to see how easily things can turn in life. And they can. See, when when you're blessed, and that's a good thing, but the response isn't, hey, check me out how good I am. But it's, God, I am humbled. And thank you for blessing my endeavors. It's an understanding. I mean, that's what we should say. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. You know, it's what Jesus said. We, I quoted it at the beginning. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on this temporal side of the equation where we see wealth's uncertain, Treasures can rot, they can rust, they can corrode, they can disappear. When it comes to treasures, be very, very careful. Where are you building your wealth? See, it's a, it's a hope thing. It's a hope thing in our lives. Where are you going to put your hope? And I have talked about this on and off through through this whole series that life is this dance. You know, we we dance with, with our, our possessions and our wealth and our stuff. And, you know, we could talk about all morning, I could talk to you about, you know, it's really important to flee and to follow faithfully and, and to fight the, the good fight and to look to the future. And the fact is you can't do that stuff. 
It's not going to work if you've never taken and dropped a knee to Jesus Christ. You will never get a handle on that stuff until you jump and you say, okay, God, I'm going to put my trust and hope in you, period. See, you, you simply believe that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you. You know, Jesus took your place. He paid the debt for, for your sins in your life. He died for you that way. And the, and the moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you, you make him the Lord in your life, and that account in heaven gets opened up. And I want, I want to be clear, this, this is not a, a deal where you pray a little prayer, and the account's open, and then you go live like you want to live. Do whatever you want to do. No, that isn't how it works. Being a Christ follower is a decision that we make, but it's followed with a process in life. You know, once you accept Jesus as your Savior, once you give God the reins, so to speak, in your life, the accounts open in heaven, and you begin to invest in that account. It says, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God wants you to enjoy everything you have. That's why you've got what you have. Enjoy them, use them, be God-honoring in your life. But he goes, command them to do good, to be, hold on, rich, here we go, rich in good deeds. Hmm. and to be generous and willing to share. See, it's a deed thing, too. And I know you're thinking, well, Damon, what's that mean, a deed thing? Well, here's an example. Every time you choose honesty in your life over dishonesty, that's a deed thing. Every time you jump at a God-given opportunity where God opens the door and you go, okay, I'll do that. That's a deed thing. You know, every, every time you glorify God in your life, every time you point others to, to Jesus Christ, every time you share your faith, every time you're involved in an act of worship, you increase your net value. You increase that net value in heaven. You know, we start occurring. You know, it's a treasure thing, too. He says, in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. It's talking about eternity there. So that they may hold of the life that is truly life. It's about leveraging your resources, your time, your talents, everything in you, leveraging it to eternity. You can't take it with you. You can't take time with you. You can't take your stuff with you. But you can send it ahead. You know how? How do you send it ahead? Well, you invest in people that are going to eternity. 
You invest in, in people's lives and try and make a difference in their lives. You have opportunity after opportunity after opportunity in your life to leverage your good works, to leverage your deeds, to leverage your resources. You know, and, and we do it through the local church. You know, it's an opportunity to build a bank, so to speak, in eternity. And so God asks, where's your real net worth at? I mean, where is it? In fact, God would say, have you, have you trusted me? H- have you put your hope in me first? You know, how about your deeds? How about your good works? How about your treasures? How about all that stuff? Yeah. If you're feeling a little resistant, every once in a while, my spirit, I'm just, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. And I've learned to pray in those moments. It's a hard prayer, but it's effective. God, I'm not willing. But I know you can make me willing. You bold enough to pray that prayer? It's a life changer. If you were to die today, we'd probably have your funeral like maybe Wednesday. And people, as they're walking away from your grave, if someone were to catch catch someone really close to you, they go, hey, how much did they leave? Would, would the answer be everything? Or they left some things. But let me tell you about their true worth that they put back for eternity. See, jumping, <laughs> it's a spiritual thing. Jumping's an important part of faithfully following Jesus Christ. And I believe when God's people see opportunities, they jump. It's just what we do. We jump. Let's stand for a word of prayer together. Our holy God, God, we uh, praise you today. And God, may we be people that jump, whatever the opportunity. God, help us to jump to the conclusion in life. And realize how this all ends. And God, I thank you for the promise of heaven. God, I, we put our hope in you and only you. God, I thank you for each family that's represented here today. I pray that you'd continue to guide and direct their paths. Put a hedge of protection around them that they would know your love and grace this day. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. There'll be 
prayer teams down front after the the song but i thought we would finish this up i mean let's let's jump a little and uh let's let's celebrate